Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So this was supposed to be kind of like a part two uh, of what we were doing last week. I probably could make it like, you know, part three, part four, part five. It's kind of, kind of hard to kind of say, okay, where are we going to take this tonight? And so I was praying earlier, and I just wanted to pick up on some things that we said last week and uh, just do a mini review. Can we do that? And, um, and just kind of take a look at some of the things that we talked about last week. And one of those things was this little mini vision I had of the... Um, the, uh, the, the, the time when I was praying about the message to begin with, and I, I just had this little mini vision. I get pictures like that, and, and all of a sudden, I'll have a little mini vision, and I know either what I'm praying about or, or something God just kind of shows me. Sometimes you have to take a step back and, and listen and wait. Sometimes you don't know everything all at once. You know, God kind of unfolds revelation to us, and so it doesn't always happen all at one time, but but in this particular case, it was just so uh, awesome because in that moment, I saw these ministering angels that had all been sort of bowed down to the, the presence of the Lord. And it was like they were moving out of the way. You could see them just moving out of the way. And all of a sudden, here came Jesus. And you could sense in the spirit what was going on in the heavenlies. There was a flurry of activity and rejoicing. It was as though heaven couldn't wait to unleash a new place in the spirit for the body of Christ, for the world. And that he was getting ready and asked us to prepare the way. You know, Isaiah prophesied that, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And of course, we can imagine what the, the world looked like at the time that Jesus was born. We're going to be already, you all have gotten decorated. That's kind of what we did over the weekend. And there's just nothing like Christmas. This is December the 1st. So I think I heard somebody say a December to remember. You know how people coin phrases. I thought, well, yeah, every December should be one we remember. But the, um, the idea when Jesus Christ was born... What a fantastic rejoicing was all over heaven. I mean, it was just this incredible release of the will of God and the heart of God. And we, we see those momentous, epic moments that happen in the earth. There becomes this kairos moment where time, this has been prophesied, and then it is fulfilled. You know, Isaiah said, behold, I do a new thing, and then... Over a few chapters later, he said, now it comes forth. And so there are moments in time where God's will just becomes prevalent, and that which has been prophesied then becomes fulfilled. And so uh, whatever is getting ready to happen, even the earth wasn't quite in a position, the entire population, to know what was getting ready to take place. I mean, they didn't know that this brand new way of salvation was going to come through a little baby boy. I mean, they did not know that. Some of them did. But they came and the shepherds came and some of them had the, the idea. Mary knew. There were, there were many that did, but there was a lot that didn't. They were looking for something else. And, you know, we don't want to be looking for 
something else. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. We want to keep our spirit in a position that we're expectant, but we don't box God in. And you know, we can do that. We can do that. We can be reluctant to change. I like what it says in, uh, I think it's Luke, the fifth chapter. And uh, uh, I usually try to, this not happening tonight, but Luke, the fifth chapter, I like to have everything written out so I don't have to take time out and look everything up. But it's Luke, the fifth chapter, and I just love the way the Amplified puts this. And recently I got this Amplified Bible and... Uh, not recently. I've, I've usually preached out of an Amplified, but it was an Amplified classic. So um, mine fell apart, literally. I had no more Genesis. and I mean, the thing was just falling apart. So I thought, you know, it's about time you get one. Diane, so I ordered this thing, and I was all excited for it coming. I thought, oh, and I even like that there's these little tabs and all this stuff. And then I found out it's not the Amplified classic. It's just the plain Amplified. So I didn't realize I had messed up, so I'm hoping this says the same thing that I remember. <laughs> in Luke. You know how it is about getting used to a new Bible, too. But he says, no man uh, can put, let's see, where, where does it start? Luke 5, um, 37. He says, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. Otherwise, the new fermenting wine will expand and burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. And no one, now listen to this, after drinking the old wine, wishes for new. For he says the old is fine. The classified said the old is better. You know, we can fall into habits of thinking things should always be done a certain way. So then God comes along to try to enlarge our minds, and we're like, no, 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 no. This way was the best way. This, this was the groove that works for me. We don't like change normally, typically. And the older you get, right, Mr. Mel? Um, well, we all. I'm including my, yours truly. The older we get, we have this, we have this mindset of not, not liking change, you know? We kind of like what works, it, it's, a, it's a easy, and sometimes we develop a groove, and, you know, somebody comes along to tell, no, 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 the old way was better. And so Jesus was trying to teach a principle here about uh, the, the bursting forth of, of trying to do something new. And so we get this idea of something new is going to come along, but we're not exactly sure all that it is. I mean, the 150 up in the upper room did not know that they were going to be speaking in tongues. Now, Isaiah had prophesied with stammering lips and another tongue, I'm going to speak to my people again. And this will be the refreshing that they will be, uh, the weary will be refreshed with. So when you pray in other tongues, you're, you're going to refresh yourself. You may not have an intelligible understanding of what's going on in your mind, but there's a refreshing that will go on in your spirit. And so we need to pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. But Isaiah was kind of uh, prophesying what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. But they, you know, sometimes we can get prophetic words and years can pass or time frames can pass. We don't always under clearly understand everything. Uh, we need to pray for that. We need to pray with all our getting, get understanding. But they didn't know what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. My point being is I don't know exactly what's getting ready to invade the earth, but it's going to be good. 
because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. And his methods may change. Not his word, not him, but his methodology may. And we need to be open for change. This morning we had one of our lead guys out, and so our band was, or our worship team was all, we were just a, a little discombobulated, if I can use that word. Um, you know, we, we're used to hearing this one guitar, and so this one, you know, had to kind of assume that duty, and we had one girl that plays the keyboard, and she moved over to this position, and, and then he's used to leading these songs, whereas the other guy's used to lead, you know, it's, you all would not understand all the dynamics except our girl here uh, and, and those that did the, the wonderful job tonight of worship. There's a lot of dynamics that go on behind the scenes. And, of course, there was one list prepared. Now we got to change it all at the church. And then we got to get music to the right people. I mean, it was, you know, and everybody kind of felt, you know, um, a little bit of a disconnect. Now, God went ahead and took care of the service anyway, without us. You know, he, you know, he goes ahead and goes to work. But we felt, even when it was all done, we felt undone. We just felt like we, we just were not in our typical groove, you know. And so the Lord just kind of ministered to me. He said, you know, you better get ready and you better get used to it. Because God's going to change. And I'm not necessarily talking about church services. And, I mean, praise God. He may very well do, the, do so much more than we, we can imagine. But how he's going to use you out in the world and the places in which you may have felt the most uncomfortable, he's going to begin to make you feel comfortable. The places that you used to feel fearful about going and ministering somebody, he's going to feel you so overflowing. You can't help but minister to people. And it won't be left up to the pastors and the apostles and prophets and teachers. It'll be left up to the body of Christ that's supposed to go out and do the work of the ministry. We're really supposed to just be training everybody. Amen? And I know you've got good training here. And so, you know, I believe the body's going to rise up and start doing what the body's supposed to do. And so you say, well, uh, we're, we, do, we do a lot of that. Good, but you're going to do it to another level. The body of Christ at large is going to do that at another level because we've got a harvest to reap. And uh, so anyway, however this way comes, we may not see that clearly yet, but we're to be preparing the way. The way, remove, Isaiah said, the stumbling block out of the spiritual return of my people. So not only does that mean those that might, you know, you can have people sitting in church every Sunday that have stumbling blocks in their heart. Uh, you can even have the pastors that have a stumbling block. I've had to have stumbling blocks removed, so I remain open. Uh, I'll let you know. I've had God come along, fit me, just me, correct me, talk to me. Hello. Oh, yes, Lord. So we've all been under a place and been in a place where God comes along to correct us or to or to remind us, or to put us back in the way. Because we can all have moments where stumbling blocks need to be removed. And we talked a little bit last week about, about preparing the way of the Lord. We talked a lot about um, the place in Psalms where um, they, they began to share about how cast down their soul was. I'd been in prayer, and I, I just had been interceding. And all of a sudden, it was like I heard a massive group of voices 
all downcast in their soul. They'd all been hit. Ever, ever been hit just repeatedly by a work of the adversary over and over and over again? And that this was, and so it just had been such a repeated blow that people were, were in despair and downcast. Some of them were, you know, crying out, Lord, you know, why am, why am I so downcast? Yet trying to fight, as Psalms 42 and 43 we, we looked at, trying to fight, no, no, Lord, you know, your word will I remember. And so, you know, sometimes there's that struggle that goes on, you know. Uh, to be spiritually minded, we know, is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. And if we remain carnally minded, and everybody's at a different place where we're learning and growing and we need to be patient with one another, but where we can get to that place, and it takes work. It takes practice. And sometimes it might feel like it's two steps forward and three back, but it takes work and practicing, hearing the word and doing it, hearing the word and doing it. And sometimes you need somebody to come along and encourage you, to remind you, this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. Let me encourage you. And it's not something that we do. It, it is an exercise of practice, yes, but we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it apart from Him, amen? And so practicing the Word of God is something that, that begins the growth process. If we'll do the parts that He has given us in His Word, we stay in that right relationship with Him, we're going to grow. And we know, according to 1 Peter, we're to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a place in which we can arrive, apparently, that we can be at peace. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. I had shared last week that we had um, uh, the, the moment in which I, I had this, um, this, hmm. Let's see, what was it? Come on, Lord, bring it back to my remembrance. It was the peace of God. Oh, yeah, I was, I'm sorry, I was, I was praying. See, I, I don't have all my notes undone here. I was trying to just flow and not go with it. So, I, you know, I felt, I'd just been praying, I'd been interceding, and all of a sudden the Lord says to me, Diane, I uphold all things by the word of my power. And I just realized how powerful in that moment the word of God is when we utter it under the unction and anointing. And then he said, I want you to begin to declare peace into your situations. Peace when you're interceding, that it's a powerful force that we need to pay attention to. And so in my heart, I, I made an adjustment there because I realized that... Um, you know, you can sometimes be praying in the spirit even, and you can have, uh, it's, we all can attest to this, where you're still worrying. Have you ever done that? And so when you're a pastor, I will say this, sometimes you've got the burden of not one but many people on your heart. And so you're praying and you're interceding, and sometimes you've got to take a step back and realize that you can't be anxious in your praying. And you can get like that. You can, there can be a disconnect, amen? And so I think the Lord was just reminding me, hey, <laughs> there's a lot going on, but my peace, if you'll begin to declare it over these situations, 
is going to change. And so it, it got my attention. And um, you say to me, oh, come on, you know, you guys have been in ministry 40 plus years, blah, blah, blah. You know, you are got your doctorate and all of this. And uh, yes, uh, you've taught. Yes. But I still remain open to correction when I've slipped off into an area and the Lord has to remind me, hello, you're taking the care of this upon you. And it's easy to do because we care about people. And so he reminded me. And so he put me sort of back in, in my place there and reminded me about not taking an anxious thought, even though I thought I was casting the care of this, even though I thought that in my intercession I was letting it go. I don't know how many of you have an Alexa in your house, but one day I was, uh, you know how we do, going up and declaring the word of God. I'm walking up and down. I, I'm one of these out loud prayers. Uh, you know, you probably could say I probably know that. But I, and out loud, I'm declaring the word of God over this situation and blah, blah. And I'm going, by, Lord, I thank you for supplying this need. And I thank you for this. And all of a sudden, Alexa, who says to me, no worries. It does make you wonder if Big Brother's listening. Amen. <laughs> and I thought of all the things to say, all kind of in the same moment that the Lord's reminding me, we can be praying and worrying at the same time. So I think that 1 Peter 5, when it comes along, and he begins, actually, if you want to take a look there in 1 Peter 5, uh, he says this, and uh, this was actually a letter, believe it or not, to the pastors and to the elders. We quoted a lot, you know, be sober, be vigilant, blah, 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 but the actual beginning of that chapter was written to the pastors and the elders. Very interesting. And he said, I strongly urge the elders among you, the spiritual leaders as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness, call to testify the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd, guide, and protect the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not motivated for shameful gain, but with wholehearted enthusiasm, not lording it over those assigned to your care. Don't be arrogant or overbearing, but be examples of Christians uh, living to the flock Set a pattern of integrity for your congregation. I love Dr. Jack and Pastor Marie. They have a pattern of integrity. Amen. And so it says here that, uh, so when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the conquering, unfading crown of glory. And then he says, likewise, or in the same manner. Every time you see likewise, you can say, in the same manner. In the same manner, you younger men of lesser rank and experienced, be subject to your elders. Seek their counsel, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Uh, <clears throat> tie on the servant's apron, for God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. He gives grace to the humble. Now, I know this is a very familiar passage of Scripture to probably all of you in here, but when you put it in perspective... And we're going to just see something here shortly. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your care 
all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. So be sober, well-balanced, self-disciplined, be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking somebody to devour. But resist him. We know this. Be firm in your faith. Against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being expressed by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. So something's really very interesting here about humbling the humility that we have to walk in if we're going to receive the grace that we need so that we don't become those that are anxious. Now, it's really interesting here that in the uh, verse 6, he said, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you to a place of honor in his servants at the appropriate time, casting all your cares. Now, I want you to think about for a moment, I, I was going to do a simple exercise tonight to have you, everybody, anybody need a sheet of paper and a pen? I would like to take a simple moment where you all take out and write out your cares. Now, if you're going to do a book, then you can do that later when you go home. But write out maybe the first three or four of those things that are, you know, walk across your mind, those things that you kind of worry, pray about. You know what I'm saying? They kind of come up every day. You think you get rid of them, and then here it comes walking back again. How many of you have ever had a great prayer time, and then a half an hour later, your mind? Here comes this thought, and the next thing you know, you're back on it again. Now, you know, that's a, that's a pattern of how the enemy wants to come and take back territory that you've just given over to the Lord. The, the problem with carrying the care is that it's an inverted form of pride, because what we're saying is, I'm great, bad, big enough to carry this thing myself. And that God, I'm better than you. And so, I'm going to worry about it. As if we thought that worrying is going to change it, you know. Can't change one tot nor tittle or something, it says there somewhere. What we have to be careful of is in that inverted form. That's why we see this word humility in here. Because if we walk around in this place of pride, believing that we can carry this, what we do is we are sending a communicated message out, not only to the Lord that we'll take care of it, and then we wonder why he doesn't intervene. And take, take a step back, why he doesn't intervene. And then we are recognizing... That in, that in that moment that we have had an enemy come in and then we see God more um, gracious and awesome and desirous to bless us is why he lets us know how if we allow that pride to come in, it will stop his blessing. And he says, I'm enlightening you here. I'm showing you what to do. I'm asking you, stay in that place of humility. And when you do, you'll be opposing and you need to withstand him at his onset. Now, where do you think he onsets us with? <laughs> That's probably poor English, but where do you think he begins? Huh? In our weakness. That's one place. 
in our minds. He starts with a thought. You know, that's where we, we, where we can get into this place of praying. And he says, don't be anxious about anything, but everything in prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And we get that part. But in Philippians it says, but then the peace that passes all understanding will then come and keep your heart and mind. No, 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 we don't let the peace come in. Why? Because we took it back and started worrying. That's why he said, be on the watch, be sober, be vigilant. Now, why is this important? Because this is a big stumbling block. And if God wants us to declare peace to our situations, if he wants us to declare peace, now I want us to look at this word peace, and we'll come back to this in just, in just a moment about First uh, Peter here. This, this word peace, is, it's an amazing, amazing word. It is much more than what we think. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's a Greek word, Irene. And it means literally and fig figuratively implies prosperity, quietness, rest, set at one again, a state of national tranquility, to be exempt from rage or havoc and war. It also means we can declare peace between individuals. That is harmony, security, safety, the way that leads peace, to peace, salvation. We mentioned a little bit of this last week. Uh, in, you know, the Jewish people use the word shalom, meaning completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, health, welfare, prosperity, quiet contentment, friendship peace from war. So every time they would declare shalom, they didn't just mean, oh, have a nice day and don't have any anxiety. It literally was declaring something that we, we find that God even announced when the birth of Jesus came, he said, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. So when he declared peace, he was declaring prosperity. He was declaring the quietness. In fact, he was declaring a state of national tranquility. Wouldn't it be, how great would it be if the body of Christ was prophesying to the White House and to the, the parties, and they would just begin to declare peace over them? How about in this season, if we want to make this a December to remember, if we begin to declare peace over our nation? Just declare peace to the Republican Party. Declare peace to the Democrats. Declare peace. And you say, oh, they won't hear it. They won't receive it. What? I mean, when God said, behold, I'm bringing you glad tidings of great joy. We sang about some joy tonight. He said, we, we, we declare this awesome moment that the angels declared and peace on earth. He wasn't just talking to a couple of people. God's greatest, I just love this, his weapon of warfare was to declare peace. Declaring peace. So if we would, by faith, begin to declare that into our situations, we might begin by faith to see prosperity come. I know how people, during the Christmas season, how many of you need extra? You know? We, we need it. It's, it's the season. We want to be able to give, right? And so we, set, we plant seed. It's the most humbling thing to receive, I, I tell you sometimes. But I've learned to receive. And, and I do so because I know in my heart 
that that means that that seed is going to bring back blessings. You know, I, I love to hear, we give, and it'll come back to you, good measure, pressed down, checking together, running over, men shall give into your bosom. Amen. But we stop there. We, we know that God has a, a blessing attached to that, but it's in order that we're able to give again. You know, I want to live with the idea that, Lord, I want it going out and coming in. Yes, I, it's not about a selfish thing that, oh, gosh, I'm going to sow this seed so I can get something back again. No, it's to put you in a position to give again. And so um, I think the, the wonderful thing about peace, part of that means prosperity. It means soundness. You know, to live to give, to live to be in that position that we are... Are, are believing for prosperity, not for our sake, but the ones we can give it back to or give to. I mean, how many of you know, uh, if you could do a word study on taking care of poor people, oh my gosh, will you move the heart of God. I mean, there are so many blessings, we can't go into all of it tonight, but just blessing poor people opens up something from the heart of God. How, how awesome it would be for us to be in a position to bless people that are poor. Well, the Bible says the poor you're going to have with you always. Yeah, but don't they still have needs? And God is touched with their needs as well as yours. He wants to bless the socks off of you. But we got to sow the seeds, you know, to, to get the harvest, to receive a harvest, so that we can give again. So when we declare peace in a situation, hallelujah, we are declaring the, um, the uh, prosperity of God to come upon you. And we can be declaring that over people that we know that are in need. We can declare them to be exempt from rage, havoc, and war. You know, how many people you know that just live in a place, well, you, you could almost use the word drama all the time, all the time, all the time. You know, we, we know people that they never have any peace. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about us walking through tri tribs, tribulations and, and trials. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about people that, well, that's just their lifestyle out in the world. They live from drama to drama to drama. They live in a place of havoc all the time. They've never known peace. They don't know the peacemaker. They don't know that he is our peace. And so you could intercede on their behalf to believe for peace to come into their lives. And so peace between individuals. How about if you got up every day and just declared that over your household? You declared it over your children. You declare it over your church. You declare it to people in your workplace. When you enter that place, we talked about this last week, uh, in the Old Testament, they were instructed when they went into a city, they were to declare peace to it because God didn't even want to see them go to war. If that peace would enter in, then he would withhold the war. They would withhold, rather, going to battle. And in the course of that uh, moment, then all the people then would uh, then be subservient to him. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but anyway, uh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> Say, oh man, you go in the workplace and then they're all subservient to you. Yeah, right. But anyway, but we send, that was how powerful Shalom was. That's how powerful it was when they declared that. They would declare peace. We need to declare peace in our families. You know, we have spiritual authority to open and or close doors, don't we? And I know you're taught that, so we can do that. A, a wife's prayers can sanctify her household, it says in 1 Peter 3. 
uh, that means also a husband's prayer, sanctify a household. But a wife who doesn't have a husband that's walking with the Lord or is, is not born again, she can declare over her household the word of the Lord and she sets it apart. Hallelujah. She keeps that place in a position for that man to come into the kingdom or vice versa. So we can declare peace into the households. So anyway, we were talking a little bit about peace last week. And, and uh, why is that so important? When we think about the opposite of peace, that's where we think about all these um, cares and anxieties, you know, that can build up. And especially during this season, you know, it's just the uh, onslaught of the enemy. The greatest battles come before the greatest victories. And sometimes to, to assault your mind on a repeated basis of anxiety about something, you can develop a habit of being anxious about everything. And that's why God said, I want so much for you to be blessed. I'm enlightening you. I have put it in here to show you I don't want that trap coming upon you. If it comes upon you, it will close down my blessing. I love you so much. I've got so much to reward you with and give you, but it will close you down. It'll be a stumbling block. It'll keep you from receiving what I have for you. And so here he says, resist him in James, the fifth chapter. Be firm in your faith against his attack. That, that doesn't mean, you know, the very first time he comes, well, I stand against you in the name of Jesus. Go, thought. And then 10 minutes later, we take it back again. Sometimes we got to stand. We got to order him out. And we got to tell him, show him we mean business. Jesus did. You know, when he stood against him, he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. And that's how he... He dealt with the devil, and it says in, uh, I believe it was in Mark in there somewhere, where he says, and then finally, he left. The devil left him alone because he thought, I'm not getting in here. I can't get in this situation. And so he left him. Jesus left for us an example how to follow in his footsteps. So we need to resist steadfast in the faith. And that means if you have to take a day out, and resist him all day long till he gets the message, then you do so. You cast down every thought that exalts itself against what God has said about you and for you. That's why the worship's so wonderful to hear the positive words of inspiration that remind us who we are. Amen? And that if we're in a battle, we recognize Jesus won the battle, but we're going to enter into it knowing we're victorious already. Amen? And so, be firm in your faith against his attack, but casting all your care. Now, how many of you have written down some of those major cares? You know, you know what it means to cast down? That means to just throw it. Just really throw it. I remember one day, this was many years ago, we were at, a, we were at um, right where we were. Uh, we had a backyard, and uh, I wrote, I did what we're doing tonight. I wrote it out. I took the, everything that was bothering me and uh, that kept coming back. And so I, I wrote it all out and I put the devil on notice. And I said, this is it. And then I took all that paper and I screwed it up in a ball. And I literally, we're not even in that house any longer. 
but it's still sitting in my backyard. I went and dug a hole, put that piece of paper in it, and sealed it right there. And I refused from that moment on to take it back. I had to practice casting it down, but I did not receive it back again. I'm telling you, when you mean business, the enemy will go, just like he did from Jesus. Go and leave you alone, finally. I can't get in here. They're holding up the Word of God. They're holding up this situation. They're not letting me get into their thought life. Amen? And so we can declare peace over our minds so that we are exempt from the rage that can go on inside our hearts or in our minds. Resist him. And all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares with you with the deepest of affection and watches over you carefully. If we could just get a hold of that. You know, cares are being full of anxiety is really, we could use another word here to say we're fearful, couldn't we? I mean, we're fearful that what we're thinking about is going to come to pass, and it won't, it won't, and that what God's promised us won't. And so we become fearful. We become anxious about it. And so right here we can see if we're declaring peace over that situation, then that fear has to fall at our side. But what we have to remember is perfect love will cast that out. Amen? When we absolutely believe that God cares for us with the deepest of affection, sometimes we need to take a step back from all of it and get in the presence of God. Amen. Get, in a, get, get you some worship music on. Get yourself still. Sit back and just say, Father, I'm just so grateful you care for me. You love me. You care for me. You care about what's going to happen tomorrow. You know where my thoughts are yet afar off. You know what my future is. You know what I need for my future. Lord, you already look ahead and you've made provision for it. Oh God, I just, I, I'm so grateful how you care for me. You're watching over every area of my life. Take some time out to do that and then realize, ha, who do you think you are, devil? How dare you? How dare you come and try to exalt yourself in my mind? I'm a blood-bought, redeemed child of God. I do not have to receive this and get rid of him. So that's why when we enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his gates with praise or the other way around, we get the, re the reception of the presence of God. Amen? And so stay thankful. Stay thankful. So be sober, though. Be well-balanced, it says here. So that sober is through the idea of be on the alert. Watch for. Be cautious at all times. So just because we decide to take a day off, he won't. And so we have to be on the alert. Be cautious at all times. For he does go about seeking whom he may devour. But resist him steadfast in the faith and knowing this, that uh, there are others that are going through the same thing. You are not alone. There are others that have experienced the same experience of suffering that you're walking through. You are not alone. Your other brothers and sisters throughout the world, you do not suffer alone. I love the way this, this Amplified says this. But after you've suffered for a little while. Now one day I was like, God, I just know you don't cause people to suffer. I, you know, I just know you don't. You're not a God that that you, you took the suffering so that we don't have to. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have a type of suffering when we're having to stand where our flesh, you know, has to get into 
subjection to what God has said. But I'm, I'm saying, after you've suffered for a while. So, so you just kind of sit up there and you think, hmm, all right, uh, Mark, I think you've had enough. I'm going to intervene now. You know, you kind of, you, 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 do you ever do stuff like this? I think, God, I know that's not the way you're, you're going to respond here. So, so what does this mean? What, why, why do we have to suffer for a little while before you're going to come and do something? He said, Diane, what did I tell you to do? You, you told us to cast the whole of our care on you. You told us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. You told us that, um, that, Lord, we're to be on the watch and we're to resist him steadfast in the faith. He said, from the time it takes you to humble yourself is how long you're going to suffer. So from the time it takes you to stop the worrying and stop the, the thought, from the time it takes you to even anxiously be praying, when you can really give that up, and we all know we like to, I don't know about you, but I like to control things. You know, uh, my husband is probably one of the most uncontrolling individuals you'll ever meet in your life. He, he, he just is. I got the best. I had somebody ask me the other day, does he have a brother? <laughs> uh, he does, but um, he's not in, to be married right now. <laughs> but anyway, he lost his wife. But um, he's, uh, he's just one of those that, you know, he just stays calm about everything. Makes me so mad. It seems like I have to work at it harder than he does. You know, we all have different temperaments, and so some of us, you know, we can just be more given to something, and so I've had to fight for my peace. <laughs> but so, so in this moment, I'm talking to the Lord, and he, I said, Lord, I know that you don't make us suffer. And so he said, from the time it takes you to humble yourself and get rid of that pride is how long you're going to suffer. That's all. And then he said, my grace that I impart to you, favor, it's going to be an impartation of blessing to you. When we think about grace, we have all kinds of definitions. I like this one where it's just the ability beyond my own ability. It's an ability beyond my own ability when he begins to impart grace to me because I need an ability beyond my own ability. And so he's going to impart blessing to us through grace. His grace imparted to us will come. And look at what it says it will do. It's going to uh, complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. He'll turn you resolutely, I think, if I remember... Uh, in the original Greek there, it's to resolutely turn you in the right direction. That's what it means. I'm going to come and settle you. I'm just going to impart to you ability beyond your own ability. You have opened yourself up for my blessing because you got rid of that silly pride that was provoked by the enemy. So be on the guard for him. I don't want that to overtake you. And so I love the fact that the entrance of the word brings light. Amen? He applies it to the inward parts of our heart. Now, did you all write everything down? Have you got it ready in a piece of paper? You're going to 
Hold it up and cast it right now upon the Lord. I don't know if you've got to throw it behind you, however you want to do, but take it, screw it up in a ball right now. Well, you're still writing, I can see. Well, if you need some more time, we'll, we'll get you. I want, I, want them all, I want you all so free tonight of every care, amen? So it says that God will give us more and more grace and peace as we grow in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. The NLT puts it that way. He says, he will give us more and more grace. You know, I love First uh, and Second Peter. I actually have a course that I taught in the university. I think I'm going to have to reteach the first class but, um, and get it on, on uh, DVD. But I love First Peter. I can relate to Peter. I don't know about you all, but I mean, I really can. Open mouth, insert foot. He, he just got, all, he got into all kinds of trouble. And as I grew up in God, I, get, I would get myself in trouble. Speak when I shouldn't have spoken. And, you know, I've had to learn to flow with my husband and not kind of lord over him. <gasps> you tried to lord over your husband? Yeah, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. You know, I had to learn some things when I came to know Christ. Now we're, at, we're a team. We kind of flow together. Doesn't mean to say I haven't made a mistake here and there where I've had to, you know, straighten up and fly right. Because he just, he, he knows me now. He, I'm, like a, I'm like a fire to get him rocking and rolling. So he, he kind of, because he's kind of more laid back and, and so forth. And so that has saved me a zillion times in our, in our lives and our ministry. Because he does. He doesn't jump on everything. And then there are times when he'll move and he knows it was the right way to go. So we have gotten to a place where we kind of flow as a team. And I don't, I don't lord over him. He has mutual respect for the gift in me. But we had to grow in that. And he has, and I have mutual respect and honor for him. And so we can flow as a team. He told us years ago, he said he would use us, use our marriage. And he said it's because you all know how to dwell together in harmony. Now, there may have been times over those years where you might have looked at that and looked at our marriage and said, you're not dwelling together in harmony. We had to learn how to do that. But there was at the core of our being a desire to walk in the right way. And so God would teach me and he would remove the stumbling block out of my way and teach me how to do it properly and to honor him. And so um, peace then begins to invade your life. Shalom. Irene, the Greek word, that place of tranquility and peace and, and safety that leads you to salvation. Um, so we want to we remember that being at this place of peace in our life is absolutely the requirement of God. Now I'm just going to read through a, a, a several scriptures. You don't have to turn there. You can write them down. Uh, Psalm 34, 14 says, Depart from evil, do good, seek, inquire for, and crave peace. Have you ever thought about craving peace? I mean, we crave a lot of things, don't we? I don't know about you, but I'm a salt girl. I'm not much, I like sweets, but I love salt. So I, I have to, you know, be careful when I get around salt and vinegar potato chips. You know why? I was raised on them. I was raised several years in England and salt and vinegar was just like, oh yes. You know, so I could get a craving for that every once in a while. Uh, some, my husband loves uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. And so every once in a while, you know, 
I'll just get him a Reese's peanut butter cup if I see it and bring it home to him, you know. He likes one occasion. I don't know that he craves them, but he loves peanut butter. He's telling our congregation all the time, you know, if you want to give me anything, because he knows I don't cook, you could bake some peanut butter cookies. And he gets peanut butter cookies. He loves peanut butter cookies. So he loves peanut butter. So, um, but, you know, to say we crave peace is a whole new idea, isn't it? To think that God says, I want you to depart from evil, do good, seek, inquire for, and crave peace, pursue it, and go after it. Psalm 34, 14. Then Psalms 29, 11, the Lord will give unyielding and impenetrable strength to, I'm going to close here in just a minute, strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. When a man's course in life pleases the Lord, Proverbs 16, 7, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Ooh. I don't think, I don't think we can capture how serious that really is. When we're doing our part in doing it right, may not be immediately, but when we do it right, when we keep it right before God, and you know when he comes along and fits you and frames you and mends you and sets you up and turns you resolutely in the right direction, you get rid of that pride, you get into that place of humility. When that place, that course in life is going, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. That means the enemy can't get in there spiritually, but even the enemies that maybe you face every day, maybe somebody that just you have a problem with, Anybody ever had a person you have a problem with? So he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. So this is how powerful a spoken word of peace can be. I hope that it just builds your, your faith tonight to continue to declare it. God's power is released into every given situation when you declare it. And so we know Isaiah 9-6 and Isaiah 9-7 of the increase of his government, there'll be peace. That peace the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. We know he's who lives on the inside of us. Then Isaiah 26, 3 reminds us once again, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because we trust in him. So that means that there is a place that we can abide. We can get, can you believe that? We can get here. We can get to a place that we abide in peace. And God will move and bring about. Now, it may take some work. It may take, maybe we have for the most of, you know, it depends on where you've come from and out of. And I get that. You know, we, when you come out of a big family, you come out of poverty, or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that build up who we are before we came to Christ. So sometimes there's some things that have to be uprooted in how we think and why we think, why we get anxious. And so, uh, but God says, there's a place for you of perfect, mature peace when your mind is stayed on me. Gonna take a little practice, gonna take a little work, but I'm even gonna give you the grace to do it. I just love it. Isn't he good? So his mind... Our, we will have a perfect peace when our mind is stayed in, on him. Mark 4.39, you know, uh, Jesus gets up, and we know the, the story where he says, uh, 
you know, he'd been sleeping in the boat. You, you remember the story. We've heard it a zillion times. And here comes this massive storm that came out of nowhere. And the disciples, you know, they're all upset because he's still sleeping and they're starting to drown. You know, the boat's filling up and they think he needs to do something. You know, have you ever been there? You need to do something. Can't you tell I'm drowning here? And the most interesting thing that the, the disciples said to him is, when, when he finally got awake, is, why didn't you care about us? Now, what got rubbed first of all? Not their, certainly the storm did, but it bought out in them their lack of confidence in him to do what he had said he would do in their lives. Their love. Why didn't you care for me? You don't care for me. See, that's why perfected love will cast out fear. And that's why God wants to invade us with more love that we can imagine. He wants to impart unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He wants us to know his depth of his love that we're rooted and grounded. It is so deep. It is so wide. It is so enormous, the love of God. And when we know him and we have that revelation, getting scared would be the last thing we think about. And so we have to have that, that place in us that is open for change. We need to be open for change. We might be a little discombobulated at times. But God wants you to know, I am ready to invade you with a love so deep, so wide. You will never be able to see the bottom of it. I love that. One time I battled a fear and I don't remember quite all the, con the, the story behind it. I, it was brought to my remembrance today as I was meditating and I thought, oh, well, I'll share that tonight. And so it was one of those things that it was a bad situation, family situation many years ago and it could have had some awful dire consequences. And so it was a court situation. It was a member of, of our family. And uh, I don't have to go into all the details, but I faced a fear like I had never faced before. And I, I you know how sometimes you can be totally blindsided? We were blindsided, had no idea what could have been the consequences of all this. And so I, I remember just crying out to the Lord. I laid on the bed just crying. I could not get myself to grasp what to do about this fear. It was intolerable. And I'd think I'd get rid of it and it would come back again. And then I'd think it would be, I rebuked, I bound, I spat up, I kicked butt, I did everything to get this thing to stop against me. And nothing changed. Now, I'm not saying that we can't get fear out of our lives by doing that, if you're under the anointing, but this was not happening in this particular situation. And I, it was at a moment when God wanted to change how I looked at things. And so, all of a sudden, <clears throat> and I was, I was praying, all of a sudden, I knew I had gotten into the throne room. Now, you know, you, he can give, you, you, you know when you're praying, you can get there. If you, you will put your mind on him. I promise you, he wants to reveal himself to you more than you can imagine. 
And so as I approached him, I did not see him. But as I approached, I knew I had this, uh, this, uh, this clothing on that was like iridescent. And if you knew me, I like to sparkle anyway, so it was wonderful. But I, I went, I got to the throne room, or got to, the, to where the father was seated. And I knew he was there. I didn't see his face. I just knew it was him. And so the Lord said to me, Diana, come closer. And so as I did, you know, I was realizing the magnificence of this moment. I can't tell you how awesome it was. And so I got up close. And now the Lord will show you something uh, to relay something to you about himself. And so here I was at, the, at this throne room experience, so to speak, and I look up, and this throne is not what I expected. You know how you can think you have an idea of what the throne of God looks like? I mean, if I was to ask you here, what would you describe? Gold and jewels and, oh my gosh, magnificence of all magnificence. And I'm sure that it is. But in this moment, God wanted to show me something different. And so I pulled up, I pulled up, I walked up to him and I realized there was, he was sitting on this, this edifice of sorts. And in every little place next to him were crevices where people had come and laid their head on his lap. Or they'd come and climbed up on one area and laid their head on his shoulder. There were places where the comfort and peace and love of God was there because God wanted to release me of that fear. And because I, I had gotten into his presence, I realized there, was a, there were so many places where people had, he had a waiting for them to come and climb into his presence. Just go sit. I laid my head on his lap, and it seemed like for the longest time. And it just melted. It melted into a place where I, I was at peace. And then he told me to look up. And when I did, I saw this screen over here with a judge. And the judge had a gavel. But behind the judge was the righteous judge that was going to rule in this situation. And if I could have told you the whole story, which I can't at this time, but it was a miraculous move of God. And he was comforting me ahead of time. He was showing me the final result to hang on to. He was taking my heart and relieving me of that fearful oppression. Why didn't you bind up and cast out and do this and do that? Because this was my way of escape. This was my way of salvation. This was the presence of God that accomplished and healed what I needed the most. I was binding something that if I just had a revelation of his love, it would have fallen at my side. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us this week. 
It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.